Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Parenting by Heart, looking at principles that we have found helpful in the first 10 years of parenting. May this be helpful to you, and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage. Good evening. This is the fourth session on our parenting talk, Parenting by Heart. Why don't we open with a word of prayer? Lord, we need help. Someone told me tonight how uh, challenging it is. Uh, the, the challenge doesn't seem to be so much the child, but just the parents learning to be consistent. And so we ask you tonight to be merciful to us, teach us new things, wonderful things from your law and from your heart so that we can be better parents like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to share with you my favorite poem on parenting, and particularly on being a dad, but it, it's just as good for a mom. There are little eyes upon you, and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all eager to do everything you do. And a little boy is dreaming of the day he'll be like you. You're the little fellow's idol. You're the wisest of the wise. In his little mind about you, no suspicions ever rise. He believes in you devoutly, hopes all that you say and do. He will say and do in your way when he's grown up just like you. Oh, it sometimes makes me shudder when I hear my boy repeat some careless phrase I've uttered in the language of the street. And it sets my heart to grieving when some little fault I see. And I know beyond all doubting that he picked it up from me. There's a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right, and his ears are always open, and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for the little boy who's waiting to grow up to be like you. Well, that's too convicting. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if anyone has been uh, putting some of these things into practice and you've seen anything that you think looks like progress. Didn't know if anybody wanted to just share a, a thought or a, a story or testimony. I After last Wednesday, I went to pick my daughter up from the uh, choir practice that she's in and I told her the idea about the stick and she immediately said, no, Mommy, we don't need to do that. <laughs> and she has actually done better just listening with even the thought of getting a stick in the house. <laughs> Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Anyone else? Aunt Rhonda over here told me that she threatened to put her son in time out today. And William said, is that all? Said, my dad told me the next time I got one warning, and then I went over a lap and got whipped with a stick. <laughs> We're getting through here. <laughs> Anyone else? Well, good. Well, we want to go over a little bit more of what we were covering last week. We started having such a good time last week um, that uh, we were doing more laughing than listening at, a, at some one point as I was uh, miming the uh, way it goes sometimes with children. But let's, let's take a look at some of these things. Uh, these are also in, covered in the set of notes if you happen to have gotten that. And let's look at this graphic here is that the first objective is just that the children are able to come under control and what's going on there is, is rebellion against your authority. You say you need to sit down or you need to come with me or you can't go with daddy. And they rebel against your authority. 
and that's really where the physical discipline is the most helpful for them. But uh, most of parenting probably is more in the area of, of, of teaching and dealing with disobedience that it's not a direct thing against your authority. It's just their laziness, forgetfulness, uh, childishness, something like that. But it's not as such uh, rebellion. It's very helpful if you can kind of learn to make that distinction so that you can use physical discipline mostly for rebellion and teaching them to come under your authority. God has put you in authority over your child temporarily. You know, it's, uh, it won't last forever. Uh, eventually they will hopefully be out on their own and making a living and, and uh, they will be doing this with their children. But for a brief period of time, you're in their life to pose temporarily an artificial external control so that they begin to get a feeling of what it's like to be in submission under a law, under a word from an authority figure, and that will eventually transfer over to other areas of their life and, and learning to respect God and other authorities in their life. Uh, what are some examples of physical discipline? Well, uh, we talked about that a little bit last week. One of the things that often happens with families that think, well, we're not, we don't think uh, any kind of physical discipline is good. They either go into verbal abuse, yelling, or they may send their child to the room for the rest of their life, or they may, in a fit of rage, just uh, slap them, pull their ear. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, well, what do you think about thumping them? You know, I never had that question before. But you really want to have thought about that and not just do whatever comes naturally when you're furious. You want to try to avoid that. So as far as what we should discipline with, our suggestion is that it's, uh, it's better, you know, once, once the child has been potty trained about, about that age, that it's better to kind of get away from using the hand just because it's so handy. You got it right there, and the child is bothering you, and they're right there, and something could get nasty pretty quick. You know, you might uh, slap them in some place. And so we suggest that having uh, an instrument, like a little dowel like we had, in case anybody wasn't here last week, this is what we're talking about, not a baseball club or something, just a little dowel. But by having this, we always kept it on top of the refrigerator just to keep them from being tempted inordinately to play with it or make it disappear. But when, by having to go and get it, and, t and go with them to the bedroom, that gave us uh, enough time to hopefully cool down and be able to act in our right mind. So let's look at these laws of the rod. It is prohibited for the child to touch or play with the rod. Uh, just, that should just be a, it's a symbol of authority. Just, you know, just about everything else in the house is okay. You know, it's not as though you're prohibiting them from tons of things. But, but since we know they're not going to like this, we know that they're going to want to... It, there's a fascination for it. It's, it's almost like it's, it's one of these weird things, you know, that's like it's the rod, you know. I mean, it's not just a stick. It's the rod. So, and like the, the examples we've heard. Second, the parents should avoid joking around with the rod, as I have been guilty of at times. I was a very big fan of Zorro. It should never be used in anger. If you forget all the other ones, that is the main one. You... That's another reason why, by having it so defined, it just is an, it's another help for us in our weakness. And, uh, but to, to always have that goal that by the time I actually give them the couple of swats, I'm not doing it with a, an angry spirit. Your spirit communicates to the child. They know what's going on in your heart somehow. And uh, I only remember one case of discipline with my father. And uh, it, he slapped me on the chest 
in anger. I was six years old. I was having a nice time with my dad, putting together the model of a bird. And there are hundreds of things at that age in my life I don't remember. I remember this exactly. And my sister gets up, comes in. She's two years younger, and she's sitting over there and kind of distracting him and getting his attention. I thought, now I've got to share him with her. So I crawl down underneath the table and go over and pinch her just to let her know that I'm very upset that she's come, showed up. And my dad just flew off the handle, and I didn't have a shirt on, and he caught me and slapped me on the chest. I've never forgotten it. See, the pain is long gone. You have something probably in your past, either verbally or physically, that you remember. Why? It's because of the spirit with which they did it. And that's why you want to correct that spirit in you, that spirit of vengeance, the spirit of I will show you, the spirit of pride, that I'm going to get you back. You can't do that to me. I'm the boss. All of that spirit communicates. But if you have, can maintain the spirit of a servant and have these different things that help you in your time of weakness, you know, where you, you can't just slap them. You said, I've already uh, defined it where we've got to do, go through this process. And it gives you just that cool off time that you need. A child should never be spanked on the run. The child should learn to cooperate with the discipline process. Is that a question now? Yes. Um, we're, okay. When it comes to disciplining, uh, with physical punishment, you say to, you know, take them back to the room or, or what have you to wait and cool off, and, and that's good, but we're also supposed to instruct them as to what they've done wrong. That's what I usually do to take my time to cool off, as I explain it to her. And as I'm explaining it, I'm cooling off. Okay, the problem with the explaining before, if they know they're going to get punished, usually that's all they can think about. If a nurse is about to give you a shot and is sitting there with the shot and starts asking you questions about your life, your, your concentration isn't going to be real good. Normally, the anger thing is a kind of a peak thing. It's not a sustained sort of a thing, and particularly once you've made the decision to discipline. And we found that it didn't take, we didn't need 10 minutes to cool off. We just needed to get past that minute, a minute and a half, and that's how long it would take us to go get the rod and go sit with them in the bedroom. Then we would immediately go ahead and spank them because as long as we wait, they think, hey, maybe I'm going to get out of it. Maybe I'm going to... But that's all they're thinking. This is all they're thinking about until it's over. So just out of a spirit of mercy, we go ahead and try and get that out of the way. Now we'll talk. Now I'll let them talk. I'll talk. We'll hug. You know, it's all over. And so... But just suppose... You get the rod, and you get back to the bedroom, and you're still too upset. At that point, I still wouldn't suggest that you talk with them, but if you see, get good results from that, keep doing it. You know, we're not laying down any laws here. But we would uh, just say, well, you need to sit here for a minute, and I'll come when I can come like I need to come. Uh, calm. So that every once in a while, that may happen also. And to discipline with the rod in private as much as possible, since it becomes something so fascinating to the other children that their brother is getting it, finally. When should you discipline with the rod? We're suggesting that it particularly be used for rebellion, to uh, train your eye, your ear, to listen for it when they are directly defying your authority. And we're speaking especially about age one and a half, two, up through age, say, eight. So again, try and keep this in, in context. If you all your children are 10 and over, that's a couple of pages over here. But particularly for rebellion, we would also sometimes discipline for lying. 
Third, when they intentionally injure another because they've given pain to another person and especially a small child isn't that aware of what they're doing to others. And so by using the physical discipline and it hurting, uh, then you talk with them afterwards and say, now you see, didn't that hurt? Did you like that? No. Well, what you did to that other person also hurt. So it's just a form of instruction. And we would also use it at times with problems between siblings. Now, if those of you who have multiple children, I'm sure this never comes up in your home, but we would sometimes have one that would approach us as the offended party and uh, that the other one had done something terrible. And, of course, you weren't there, so you don't know the whole story. And... The idea occurred to us from what the scripture says about uh, not taking your brother to court and lawsuits. We thought, well, maybe we could use this here. So we would say to the one who had come, you go back and talk with them and uh, you all need to settle this or otherwise you both get a spanking. So we would talk with, or we would talk with them both and say, you all need to settle this. And uh, that would often help because they would think, well, hey, man, if we can't settle this, we're, we're both going to get it, so why don't we go ahead and come to some arrangement. The only problem sometimes was is sometimes you have a more strong-willed or dominant child, and they are, know how to be kind of mafioso with the weaker one, and so they kind of lean on them, and, and it always happens to work out to whatever they had wanted originally. So, you, you know, you kind of got to watch all of these things, but we found it was better to try to unite them as siblings in, in that kind of a way, which is, you know, what the, how the Lord guides us in that. But the stages in disciplining with the rod, our suggestion is that as soon as you see the child beginning to exhibit rebellion, that some form of physical discipline can be helpful. I don't know, Wendy, if you'd like to share about when it first came up with, with Walt just as an example, but uh, in the car, but uh, sometimes an example is more helpful. The first time, Walt is our oldest. We weren't going to say names. Here we are. He's off at Clemson now. He's a good boy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sorry, Walt. Uh, when he was five months old, uh, he was in the car with me in his little car seat. And on the window, we had a blanket covering up the window. I did. I was alone. And he would reach and pull it down. And then the sun was right in his eyes. And so I'd have to pull off the road. You know, I said, no, Walt. And I put it back up. And that happened twice. And, you know, I'd say, no, I didn't spank him or anything. He was five months old. I, you know, didn't even thought. We hadn't gotten to the phase of spanking yet. I hadn't thought of that. And the third time I noticed, because we were at a light, that he started reaching for it to pull it down again, and he looked at me. And I thought, oh, he knows. I couldn't believe it. And so at that point, I did pop his hand. So Walt was spanked for the first time when he was five months old. Thomas, our second, was spanked for the first time when he was nine months old. It was changing his diaper, and he wouldn't sit still for us to do that, and you could tell that he knew, and so we would give him a little pop. You know, small things. We're talking about babies. But you can see it in their eyes. You know when uh, they're doing it on purpose against what you've said, and that's the point where it's rebellion. Yeah, and in the first year and a half, you're probably not going to want to do the thing with the rod because a small amount of discipline, uh, usually on the heavy part of the thigh, just with your hand, because you want it, uh, a really small child doesn't connect things very well if time passes. So you don't want to, you know, we'll go to the room and I'll be there in an hour and I'll, you know, by that time he says, 
Now, what are we doing here? You know, all I know is they're beating me up. So to try to deal with it right then, having clearly explained it, and they still defy your authority, and then following through with what you said, now I told you that we'd have to do this if you made that decision. And, uh, and I would talk to them that way. I mean, even though they're, they're really small, it's amazing how much, even before they can speak, how much they can understand you. And then going through the, the thing of reconciliation and uh, giving, giving a hug and all of that. But around the time that they're potty trained and no longer have the diaper back here, it's good to switch to the biggest muscle of the body, which is the safest place to administer the rod during these uh, early years. And so we suggest that you know, pretty much from the time they're potty trained on up maybe to eight years old, that the rod can be, can be a big help. Some people use a wooden spoon. I remember one time we did switch from a rod to a wooden spoon. And uh, I think we decided it was a little, almost a little too much. But the boys certainly respected it. Uh, so we already talked last week about a suggested dialogue about uh, how you would talk with them, first disciplining them, then letting them confess, what, say, admit what they did wrong and asking you to forgive them and then looking at getting them to look you in the eyes and to say, I forgive you and I love you. And even if you keep doing this a lot, I'll still love you. But whenever you do this, God's put me in your life to help you this way. And so you, you can decide, you know, if you like getting spankies, well, just keep doing it. This is a good way to get them. But if you don't like this, well, I've got good news for you. If you, if you do what mommy and daddy say, then this never has to happen again. It's your decision. So you want to kind of put it back on them, and uh, you're trying to bring them to the point of, of being able to choose good from evil and right from wrong. It says under point four about um, what purpose does physical discipline serve? Uh, human parents must utilize physical discipline to restore the break in family fellowship. The objective of physical discipline is not to cause pain, stripes, tears, or sorrow but to bring a rebellious child's will under control. Parents should not establish the criterion that a child must cry or give some emotional demonstration of sorrow to end the physical discipline. It's not a matter of spanking them until they cry or something like that. You know from having done it on your own leg or something about how much that hurts. And particularly for a smaller child, it hurts enough so that even if they don't want to cry or something like that, that's okay, you know. The goal is to have administered what you promised would happen if they did that. How should it be administered? Uh, that last point there, well, the main thing, again, is just that it should never be done in, in anger, uh, just because you're not, you're not in any condition to do it. And you can cause a lot of more damage. The main damage that's ever done, well, no damage is ever done physically with just two swats of a little rod on, on their behind. But uh, it's your spirit, as I said before, that's really communicating. But let's look just a minute. Let's take a spiritual x-ray of what's actually going on. Now, you see, you have two areas of knowledge. You've got your theological knowledge and your biblical knowledge. And then you've got your practical parenting family knowledge. And this is trying to show you, bring those two together in this particular issue of child discipline. Sin produces separation and breaks fellowship with the parent and with God. So when the child is in rebellion and disobeying, uh, something's going on. We're not just one big happy family. We have a problem here. And that's what, what's going on spiritually at that point. Physical discipline properly applied with love will help to break the basic attitude of rebellion. Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. God says that. 
This is the way God helps us to come back into fellowship. The child confesses specifically their disobedience. That's 1 John 1, 9. In the same way, if, if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and will forgive us. The parent officially forgives the child. It's important to say it out loud, to look them in the eyes. Do you realize how many children go around wondering if mom is still mad at them? If dad still loves them? Because they never brought closure to it. The parent thinks it's over because there's no longer all the yelling. It's kind of the dust has settled. I got, you know, I gave them what was coming to them. They don't realize what's going on in that little heart. Because even though the child was behaving very badly, and you think, well, they just, I don't know what's going on with them. But they have the same thing that you have. You have a heart to obey God, and yet at times you disobey God. You, if you're a wife, you have a heart to be a, a good wife, but at times you're not. Dad's, husband, same kind of a thing. And so when it's all over, you're wondering, well, where do we stand now? And you want to make sure that that child knows that we're back to how we were before. Five, restoration of fellowship with the parent through hugs and kisses, playing a little, maybe pray together, whatever is how, how you feel led. But in Luke 15, 20, you see the prodigal son comes home and they embrace, they have a party. It's a restoration. In general, it is better not to end the time of discipline until the child is smiling. Now, I'm not talking about adolescence here. I'm not sure how I would put this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but this is for that physical discipline in the first eight years, uh, sort of what you're looking for. But we found that by doing the first eight years this way, it produced such a quality of relationship that uh, really has carried over in the next ten years during their time as teenagers. So it's produced very good fruit. How to begin disciplining with, with the rod. It's very important. You see, you, you've come to all these hours of classes. It's very important not to just show up and say, Ha-ha! You, you were disobedient? I got a surprise for you, you know. Uh, first, you want to have it real clear in your own mind. As, someone, as Howard Hendricks liked to say, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. So if you don't know what it's, what's going on, you're not going to communicate clearly to them. Uh, so by thinking about these things, talking about it with your spouse, listening to the tapes, get it clearer in your own mind, and then come to an agreement with, with your spouse, because you, you need to speak with one voice, and if possible, with the grandparents. If you have grandparents that are heavily involved with your kids, please li let them listen to these two tapes. It won't take that long, and it, they'll at least have heard what you've heard. Now, they may come to different conclusions, but that gives you a common ground of new input to process together and reach an, maybe reach an agreement. You don't want to produce confusion in the child's life by granddaddy says this, and, and my dad says this, and my mom says this, and so I'm trying to pick which one at each point would be uh, better for me to hang tight with. Third, commit yourself to overcoming disobedience in your own life. You cannot teach your child that which you are not prepared to do yourself. Are you rebellious? It will not be possible for you to help your child overcome rebellion if you have deep-seated rebellion in your own life. So a lot of times, the first place that's starting is right here in your own heart and asking God to help you with that. And maybe ask your spouse, who, do you see me as a rebellious person? Let's move on. Number four, in a quiet moment, explain to your child the new plan of discipline. In a time of peace, not a time of war, say, okay, we're going to have a little devotional, maybe read a few verses out of Hebrews 12 on, on God's discipline, things like that. And explain to them what God commands 
and explain to them that this is to help them and because you love them. Now, they will not necessarily agree with that, but you're laying a foundation of truth for them. And then if they're, say, two or three years old, do some role-playing and say, well, son, I know now that you know this. You will never disobey again. But let's just suppose you did. Uh, we're going to go through what would happen if you chose to go that path, which, of course, you won't because you're a good child. So, and I'm going to sit down, and you're going to come over here, you know, and uh, you're going to pull down your little pants and lean over here, and I'm going to swat you just twice with this stick and uh, maybe do it on your own leg so you show him it's not lethal. You live through it, so he will live through it. But, and then uh, you'll pull up your pants and sit on my lap, and then you'll say what you did. Just walk through the whole thing so that you don't want to try to teach this when you're actually using it. Already go through it and let them be clear on it. A, a lot of times just doing that, uh, at least for a little while, will make the whole house more peaceful because they think, I think they're serious about this. I think they're really going to go through with this. We, we better watch it. Uh, fifth, be completely consistent. If you said you were going to do something, you must fulfill your word. If you make a habit of saying, if you do that one more time, you'll be spanked, and then you don't do it, you're ruining them. You're ruining the whole thing. You are confirming a suspicion they've long held in their mind that you're a liar. They say, yep, they say this, but they don't mean that. I know, they can hear from the tone of your voice, they, they watch you. And as much as possible, you want to get to the point where your actions match your words. If you're not going to do it, don't say it. Don't threaten what you're not going to carry out. Because you want to always back up your words with action and be completely consistent. And that might mean that you're not going to make as many threats. Particularly if you're going to every time have to follow through on them, you have to watch what you're going to say. Remember, it's a process. It takes time and perseverance. Well, I'm going to get Wendy up here now. We're going to cover some of these questions that uh, y'all wrote out. Several people after last week, uh, last week, I don't know, some of you may not have been here, but when we started, the questions just started going. And I talked with several people afterwards, and the comments were made several times of how, well, now it's getting good. You know, at last we get to the good part. I want to clarify that the good part really should be the teaching that Henry's already given. Because the practical part of what we're going to do now of answering these questions is very limited in its help for you. Because every child is so different. Every situation is different. Every parent is different. And God needs to lead you according to the situation and according to the child. But if you have not learned to look to God as a parent, to look to Him for wisdom, well, this isn't going to do any good. Because I'm, I'm going to give, we're going to give good answers now, but they may not be good answers for your children. They were good ones for our children. And in most cases, in a normal situation, they work. But there are so many unique situations. We've had so many parents in our lives with unique children that we have prayed with them over these children. And it's taken a special thing for each one. So really get down the principles of how is God a father to us. And uh, it, this makes me a little nervous because the first person who ever taught me about being a mother is sitting right here. So, And the first piece of advice she ever gave me, uh, I remember her saying, 
Well, a lot of people read books, and I'm sure they're good, and there are a lot of good books out there. She says, but the main book, if you only read one, is the Bible. She says, if you'll learn to see how God is a father, you'll do fine. And that's, I won't cry because she's sitting here, but anyway, and that's been good. Well, someone asked me in the, during the week, and we got a few of these questions, the same thing that uh, they asked me was what do you do when your child has a really bad attitude and does what you say but stomps out, you know, or maybe huffs or crosses their arms or slams the door or something like that. Do you discipline for that? And this is a good example to me of what I'm saying about needing to seek the Lord because I gave her a piece of advice, which I think is good, and I'm going to give it to you. But afterwards, I felt like God showed me even more as I was praying through this. So you really need that, yes, we do need to discipline actions of rebellion. You know, you, we can't discipline the heart. You may think that there's a heart issue there, but you can only judge what you see. We're not to judge other people's hearts. So, yes, I would tell my child if they were stomping and like that. I would then teach them. As we said, you don't discipline unless you've taught, and then they go against that. Now, when mommy disciplines you, when mommy tells you something to do, your proper response is to say, yes, ma'am, and turn around and do it. And for a while, you'll have to train them in doing that because they'll forget. And so, so you know, you want to avoid spankings. All of us hate that. The kids hate it. The parents hate it. It's just no fun. So a good thing for a kid like that who does that habitually would be to say, before... Say, now remember, I'm starting to tell you to do something, and remember what I said, your proper response is to say, yes, ma'am, you know, and then to walk away and do it. Uh, so you remind them ahead of time instead of when they don't do it, then saying, remember I told you, and then you think, well, do I spank or not and stuff. So it helps to, until they get in that habit. But the thing that came to my mind afterwards was the story in the scriptures of the two sons where the father asked them to do something, and one said yes and then didn't do it, and one said no, but then he did it. And he was praised for obeying. And I think it's so important that we remember that our children are human beings and that it is hard to obey. I mean, just think about us, you know, the things that God brings into our life. Uh, maybe you've lost a job, and do you just say, Oh, thank you, Lord, for taking that job away, and now I'm going to look for another one, and that's fine, no problem. No, you get mad, you question God, you're upset. Well, that's what the little children do. I mean, they're sitting there having a blast doing something, and Mom comes in and says, you've got to stop, it's time to eat or whatever. Well, you've just invaded their life, and it's hard. Well, that's how, exactly how we are, you know. Maybe your husband comes in and says something. But just think, how do you respond when someone comes and invades your life? And <laughs> I'm going on and on. But just remember, it's so important to remember that they're human being too. And we need to uh, praise them when they respond well, when they obey us. But we need to keep teaching them. And it will help. If you do teach them with their attitude, it will help them later when they do lose their job or some other situation in their life to not get angry with God. It will help them with uh, learning to control themselves. So that was one thing that we were asked.
there was one particular case that we didn't share it in detail before, but where we had, we're all sitting around the table and the last child comes in and they showed up and sat down while we were, wait, we were waiting to say the blessings. So they finally trail in and sit down and they look at the food and they say, oh, yuck. And well, right before the prayer, that was just totally inappropriate. So I asked them to go back to their room. We prayed and I went back and talked to them. And I said, your mother has worked for two hours preparing the food that you just condemned in a sentence. And it'd be one thing if you had done all the work or you had bought the food or anything like that, but whether or not you like it, she did all of that to serve the family and to serve you. And so the least you can do is come in and say something positive. Now, maybe you don't like anything on the plate, so you don't have to lie. You don't say, oh, oh yum. <laughs> but uh, you find something good to say. Isn't it great to be together as a family? Now, uh, the child was, what, seven? You might say, it, isn't it a beautiful day? Think of something positive to say. The first thing when you come to the table, think of something positive to say. Now, you may be worried that if you don't express your negative opinion, we may be seeing this menu more often. So if during, the, and we, we care about what you think, you just need to find a better way to say it. So during the meal, you can say something like, this really is not my favorite dish. Something like that. So I, I'm going to go out, we're going to forget that you ever came out there and that that ever happened. And I'm going to go out and sit, and just in 30 seconds, I want you to come out. We're going to replay the whole thing. You're going to come out, and you're going to do it differently this time. So they, they came out, and they said, it's a beautiful day, or something like that. Now, you see, uh, there was no spanking, no physical discipline. I hadn't set up anything. If you haven't set it up with teaching, you can't discipline for it. Uh, when they come up with a new creative way to ruin your life, you, you, you need to realize, hey, I don't think we have any law covering this. So you think of what, how you're going to express it, talk with them, then you back it up. But don't just because they have bothered you, use the rod or physical discipline to get back at them or make them pay for it. That, which brings up the whole issue of someone else had asked, how about if they don't like the food, do you make them eat the food? We would always make them try the food. Henry won't eat liver, and I don't make I'll him try it. He, he tries it. But, you know, we all have our preferences on food. We had one child that was a very picky eater. And so I just explained to him one day that it was okay to be picky, to have his particular taste, but that picky eaters usually went hungry. And so he had to choose. He could not eat sweets in between meals. If he didn't like the food that we had after trying it, well, then that was fine. But he would wait for the next meal to eat. Or sometimes if they just said they weren't hungry, we would just say, okay, well, you can have this for snack, and I'll put it in the refrigerator for you. So you don't want them to eat sweets, but you also don't, you know, I had one little, my poor little son, I found out now that he's grown up, that it really was a problem with swallowing the meat, and I about gagged him to death making him chew that meat and eat it, and, uh, and uh, I learned after, too, not to do that, but... Um, Anyway, so with the food. One of the questions, another question is, what if after the spanking the child says, that didn't hurt? And um, that's very typical, and they'll probably say it in a sassy way, well, that didn't hurt. You know, uh, well, that's okay. Um, I would not re-spank them harder, but I would say, well, thank you for telling me that. Next time I'll try to do it harder for you. You know. Uh, yeah, you, and also, 
that was said two different ways. The second way was said, what if you spank and they scream at you? That's a different story. That's a different story. Hopefully you have already made the rule, and if you haven't, you should at this point. Your children are not allowed to scream at you. They are not allowed to talk back uh, to mom and dad in that way. They're allowed to talk to us kindly. But this, I would deal with them with the screaming, but not with the, it didn't hurt. Of course, if you, whatever you sow, you'll reap. And if you have sown screaming and yelling in your home, then you will reap it. And you, you've got to be careful not to be too heavy on the discipline on that if you have not corrected that in yourself. Uh, there was a question? Yeah? I was just going to ask, um, what if uh, when you spank them, they start throwing a screaming, crying, fit jag that could go on endlessly, you know? I mean, you, they could do this for, they're good at this. <laughs> okay, yeah. It, it, can, it can get out of hand, can't it? Again, if you have started by sitting down with them first, you know, particularly if this is a change, let's just say whenever you introduce a change in your disciplining pattern, it's tough for them, for you. <clears throat> it's a time of vulnerability. And so at the outset, you want to you say, we're, gonna, we're gonna about to change. I didn't understand some things. I'm understanding them better. I want to be a better help to you. And, you know, we've had a couple of situations in the last couple of weeks that they weren't pleasant for you. They weren't pleasant for us. And we're learning better how God leads us to help you. And this is what we're going to do. So you explain everything. And let's just suppose that they throw a total fit. I would probably discipline them a bit more because they're adding to the rebellion that already brought on the thing. What they're doing at that point is they're disciplining you and they want to see who's going to win. That's why at that point for you to try to keep your cool and uh, discipline them up, you know, maybe four or, you know, you know, instead of two swats, four or, or six or something, don't, you know, don't go on all day or anything. But have it be more and then uh, at a calmer time come back and process that. Let's talk about what happened. And uh, say, now did you like getting Six swats, you know, you only needed to get two. Uh, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you like to see how to get the minimum next time? And talk about it. And then it could be that they will process it with you and they say, well, you don't love me. They say, nope, you shouldn't say that. I'm doing exactly what God told me that will help you. you. It's not something you'll like, but it's not something that ever needs to happen again either if you'll obey. But you need to know that God's put me in your life uh, to help you in this way when you reject our authority. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention, and I'll forget it if I don't say it now is what happens in your first couple of times when you're disciplining them and they put their hand back there. Well, I would, I would give them a little pop on the hand. And that hurts. Not, not don't do it hard, you know, just a little bit, you know, like that. But that's enough to, to hurt that hand, or a little bit of pain, and maybe two or three times. And then again, after it's, if, and if they still do it, then remove their hands and somehow get some little two swats in there. And then process it with them afterwards. Do you like Getting disciplined on your hands? No. Well, that's not a good place to put them then, is it? Talk with them about it, and let's practice it one time. What would it be like if you uh, did do it the right way next time? Yes, Wendy. Uh, no, I just want to go real fast because we have six minutes, and we have a lot of questions, so I'll probably just say them just real quickly. What suggestion do you have for two children who both insist the other did such and such, uh, and they're, uh, they both insist the other's lying? Henry already spoke about that uh, somewhat. We would get the two to go off and say, well, we'll be happy to spank both of you, but if you can work it out and uh, come back with the truth, that's fine, and we'll just spank one. 
also someone asked about relationships. How do you help your children have good relationships? Our kids are very good friends, and I think one of the keys to that is that we really worked hard on reconciliation with the children. We did not let them just get mad and not reconcile in the same way with one, with one another. In the same way, we would always have reconciliation with us when there was a discipline issue. We would always make sure they had reconciliation so that they're not just building up offenses that a wall between them. So they would always work that out. We also, with tattling, I just prayed about that and, and asked the Lord, what in the world do we do, you know, when we have a tattletale that comes up? So the thought that came to me was that the scripture teaches that if I see my brother in sin, what am I supposed to do? I'm to go to him and t talk to him about his offense. And if he repents, everything is fine. If not, you're to take another or take him to the elders. And so what I would say to my children was, you were to go to your brother or sister. If they've done something wrong, you're first to go to them and try and get them to stop and straighten it out or tell them to come to mom. And don't come tattling to me all the time. So when they would come and say, mom, so-and-so did this, I'd say, well, have you talked to him yet? No, go talk to him. So I would send them to there. Now, if the brother or sister refuses to come tell me, confess, well, then the sibling was allowed to say, so-and-so needs to talk to you. <laughs> but uh, that's how we would, that's how we'd handle this one. Oh, how would you have them reconcile? Well, the children learned just from us of how to say, I'm sorry. And so they knew with them, I mean, we would tell them, but all you have to do is say, I'm sorry I hit you, or I'm sorry, whatever, and the other would, would you forgive me? And they would forgive. The neat thing about this, it was so neat with our children. We lived in Argentina at this point. The Argentines are terrible at forgiving. They're a very proud person, vengeance, kind of like the Italians, and uh, they will never admit a wrong, and they don't forgive easily. It was fascinating to watch my children teach their friends to forgive and to ask forgiveness. We would hear them and they would tell us about it. It was incredible how they, on their own, we never told them to do that, but they did that just automatically. Uh, you just can't imagine what children can do if you'll challenge them to do it. Again, you can't change hearts. You can only change words and actions. What do you do when there are too many discipline issues all at one time, yelling, hitting a tantrum, all this? It's so hard to stay calm and discipline one child while another is in the house uh, needing your immediate attention. Well, <laughs> usually it's a thing that escalates, and usually the problem is we don't deal with the first thing that's happening. So that would be the thing I'd say, first of all, right away when it happens, deal with it. Don't let it grow. But it could be you just come into this situation and it's all going on. I wouldn't give them a spanking for every single thing. Uh, it just It's just one spanking for this situation. And what I would do is if the, kid, the children are old enough, you send one to one room, one to another room, and you give whoever needs a spanking a spanking. Uh, if they're too little, if you have, you know, under two years old and they can't just go to their room, put them in their playpen. You do whatever it takes, you know, to, to get them taken care of so that you can take care of the older child that you need to discipline. They may end up crying a little bit, you know, give them a cookie, do anything, the little one, you know, that you need to take care of. 
if they cry a little bit, it won't kill them. I've had one crying a little while while I dealt with the other. It really doesn't take that long to do the discipline, and they'll, they'll survive it. Uh, this is comment on sticker charts for preschool children. We use it for good manners. Sticker charts is great. That's fine. Don't we get rewards in heaven? God's going to give us rewards, so it's fine to give our children rewards. It is not fine to give them a reward if they're not obeying and say, I'll give you this if you obey. That's not, there's a big difference there. If they're being good and you give them a reward, you know, you put a sticker on a chart or whatever and you get so many and you get an ice cream, no problem with that. That's fine. But it's not, well, if you'll quit crying, I'll give you a sticker. No, that's, that's not okay. Uh, the other thing I'd say to that is that when our children got old enough to do chores and get a, an allowance, we did not pay them, same idea of a sticker, I guess, we did not pay them for doing what they should do. It's their responsibility to make up their bed. I'm not going to pay them to do it. They're going to do it. They did 30 minutes of work. We homeschooled, so they were at home. After lunch, they would do 30 minutes to an hour of work a day. They washed dishes. They did laundry. They uh, cleaned the bathrooms. They <laughs> did it all. <laughs> well... If you're a homeschooling mom, you don't have time to do it all and, you know, do that. And I did give them an allowance for that, but not for things that were their responsibility, um, like their bed. Well, we're to the end of our time, so uh, we will cover more questions next time and a few more principles. And next time I'll probably get into, well, what if your child is 10 and above? Not that we have any handy-dandy, always work, magic wand on that one, but uh, we do have some suggestions. So let's close with prayer. Lord, thank you for each open heart that's come tonight and each one uh, that has a precious child or more to uh, be that good example for. Please forgive us for the ways we have failed you and failed them. We thank you that you're a God of grace and uh, the very fact that we're here, that we have the scriptures, that we have the grace of God means that you have great hope for us. And I believe uh, in my spirit that these are going to be some of the greatest parents in Columbia. I pray that you'd help them to believe that, Lord, to not let the waves of discouragement overtake them, but to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And the Lord uh, specializes in difficult situations. Lord, we were born to be parents. You can uh, make it happen. And we are trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.